At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is the Denver City Cast with Holden Kushner, presented by Bet Rivers. Hey, it is Holden with Beeson. It is the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. And I got a lot going on here. I'm going to spend a ton of time on tonight's Nuggets game. See if we can find a betting angle there. Jokic got a haircut, too, by the way. Talk about that for about one tenth of a second. Uh, Rockies, bad day yesterday. We'll discuss them, but they're moving up the odds. They're not the fourth biggest long shot to win the World Series, so they've moved up a little bit. Avs, told you to stay away from them. A lot of Broncos draft today as well, and Connor Allen from 4 for 4 Football, he's going to join me. We're going to talk about betting the draft. He'll give us some best bets. And then before the end of the show, 1985 Western Conference Finals, Nuggets-Lakers. This thing started on tape delay in Denver at 12.30 in the morning. Whew, a lot of stuff going on. Let's get into the Nuggets. Yeah, Jokic got a haircut. Awesome. Will it turn the season around? Of course not. Uh, it'll just depend on a lot of other things. So here are the numbers, the lines, as we head into game night here in Denver. Hopefully the Warriors are sucking wind because they got to come up to altitude. Uh, Nuggets plus two, plus 108 on the money line, and 223 is the total. So let's look at game three betting numbers by the money that comes in i want to let you know that handle handle is the total money that comes in okay now the total opened at 224 and a half it's down to 223 a lot of money came in on the under so 52 percent of the tickets are on the over and just 23 percent of the handle is on the over so a lot of money coming in pushing that number down 90% of tickets, 94% of the handle on the Warriors minus the two. 
Some people got it at one and a half. Now it's a two. So this thing opened to two, went to one and a half, back to two, and the total dropped a point and a half down to 223. 31% of the money line bets are on the Nuggets. Just 11% of the money's on the Nuggets, on the money line. So a couple of interesting things. First of all, Michael Malone yesterday talking about a ball arena crowd. He goes, I imagine this place is going to be half filled with Warriors fans. And I think the Warriors travel well, first of all. I've been to plenty of NBA games throughout the year. I'm old enough to where I've been to a lot of Michael Jordan games. Michael Jordan, the Bulls' biggest rivals were the Knicks and the Pacers. And they'd go on the road and there would be a ton of Bulls fans. Okay? Steph Curry, one of the most popular NBA players that we've ever seen. They win championships. It's been a little while, but they win championships. People are going to be fans of the Warriors. They're going to show up. The problem is the Warriors are popular and 70% of this town doesn't have access to the Nuggets. You know, unfortunately, last year when you got a chance to watch the Nuggets on national TV, they got swept. <laughs> this year, back on national TV, they don't win tonight. Very good chance they're getting swept. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of Warriors fans there. I don't think it's going to be half. I think Malone's probably trying to pump up the crowd a little bit, but there will definitely be a large contingent of Warriors fans. So while you're not going to be in the lion's den that you were in San Francisco, you're still not going to get the home court advantage that a lot of other teams enjoy. So let's get into this game. Game number three tonight. Denver's got to play defense or this thing is over. So there's a lot of different moving parts to why they've been such a disaster to start this series. And it's not over, okay? It's not over. We've seen plenty of teams go down 2-0 and come back and win the series. We've seen teams lose the first two games at home and come back and win series. But they gotta play some defense. I don't know if they have the personnel is the problem between Poole and Curry, who's playing almost normal minutes, and Klay Thompson. How do you stop that with the personnel that the Nuggets have. And I again, they might just have to outscore them at this point. Just put up 120 points. Can they do that, though? Draymond's been playing so well on Jokic that the offense has not gotten into a groove. But Aaron Gordon's got to wake up. He has been absolutely abysmal. Unacceptable. He's averaged 7.5 points on 31% shooting. I mean, Monte Morris has not even really done anything. He's shooting up 8.5 attempts per game. Come on, somebody's got to get the ball and hit some shots. Uh, the bench players, they've been awful. The bench has averaged 31 and a half points per game. There's really not a lot of positives to take out of this because I was thinking, what are the positives that we've seen in this series so far? And I don't think there's anything. Nobody's gotten hurt, I guess. Is that the positive that we're looking at? Jokic needs to play better. Jokic needs to get to the line. Some of that is on Jokic. Most of it is on the referees. They need to respect this guy. When you're going to be the two-time reigning MVP, you deserve to get some calls. I mean, Embiid goes to the line 25 times a game. Why isn't Jokic getting to the line? Is it because he's not fast enough? Is it because he's so big, the, the smaller guys that are guarding him don't get calls? I mean, I think those are two reasons, but it still doesn't make sense because one guy gets to the line 25 times and the other guy gets to the line two times sometimes. Now, I expect this team to put their frustrations away for the beginning of the game. I just hope they don't get completely flustered again. But that game two was officially a meltdown. 
I don't know if you've had a meltdown or you've seen teams meltdown, but slamming the ball from, who, who was it? Morris, Jokic, Jokic later getting ejected, Barton, Cousins. The whole thing was just a debacle and it leaves a bad taste in your mouth and you're getting three days off. So hopefully they have gained their composure and they don't get completely out of line again. I think the Warriors truly broke the Nuggets' will in game two. They just broke the Nuggets' will. And the Nuggets needed a players-only meeting on Tuesday. I don't know if that works, but we're going to find out. It's better than them not having a players-only meeting, I guess. Can you imagine being a players-only meeting with DeMarcus Cousins? Uh, I don't want to mess with him. I don't want to mess with him. I wonder what Jokic said, too. You, know, you don't see him as fiery and as feisty as he was when he got ejected. Was that meeting? In that meeting? Who was leading it? Was it Jokic? Was it Cousins? Hope it works. Now, in this series, the Warriors are putting up 135.9 points per 100 possessions. So, if they had 100 possessions, they'd be putting up 136 points. And that's in non-garbage time. In the half court, they're killing the Nuggets. 123.3 points per 100 plays in the half court. So, we talk about how are the Warriors coming down and beating them? They're not beating the Nuggets in transition. They're beating the Nuggets with wide open threes. And what do they call it? One of the writers called it a, a new death lineup with Curry, Thompson, Poole, Green, and Wiggins looking unstoppable offensively. Hell yes, they do. They do look unstoppable offensively because there's nobody to guard the three-point shooters. The Nuggets just cannot guard these guys. So what is Michael Malone going to come up? You just gave him an extension, Nuggets. You just gave this guy an extension. What is he going to do? What adjustment is he going to make so that the Nuggets don't get blown out again and don't implode again? We're going to find out. Again, I, I just don't think the personnel is there to stop those guys. But the best shot of the Nuggets winning tonight, maybe the Warriors going cold from behind the arc. Golden State's defense held the Nuggets to 44.4% and 33.8% behind three. Garbage. Worst news, Iguodala's probable. Andre Iguodala. And he's feeling better. Here's another defensive stopper. Now, Jokic has been a problem. He's 21 of 45 for 51 points and only 10 assists. He's averaging... 25 and a half points and five assists per game. And he's minus 45. He's getting zero help. There's no spacing on offense. They must fix this. And you know what really pisses me off is the Jokic haters. Because they're using this moment to say he doesn't deserve the MVP. Oh, look, he's really not that good. Only the nerds that use VORP voted for him. Get the hell out of here. This guy during the regular season was the most valuable player. You are now seeing on a national stage, for those of you that are not in Colorado, a lot of people in Colorado couldn't watch the Nuggets, but for those of you on a national stage that have not seen this guy and this team, now do you understand how bad his supporting cast is? Now do you understand how bad Aaron Gordon as a number three option, Will Barton as a number two option? Now these guys are options four and five on a team that's going to make a run, not the two and the three. So all season, we talk about how bad the supporting cast is. You get to the playoffs, you see it, and you see the difference. The Warriors are shutting down Jokic because he has no help. Teams during the regular season, they weren't doing that. 
not until the end of the regular season, and that didn't even work. But now you're going up against one team with a championship pedigree, with their MVP being one of the best defensive players in the league in Draymond Green. By the way, for those of you that want to rip Jokic, here's a breakdown of the MVPs. There were 66 MVPs, okay? 66 MVPs have awarded, have been awarded. 23 of those MVPs have won the championship. That's impressive. So a little under a third, so about 30%, right? Yeah, 30% or so of MVPs have won the championship. Nine of them have lost in the finals. 20 have lost in the conference finals. They used to be called division finals too. Semifinals, eight. First round, five. So five MVPs have lost in the first round. One of those guys, Nikola Jokic. And only one of those MVPs didn't even make the playoffs. That was the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Didn't even make the playoffs. But Jokic, one of five MVPs to not win a first-round series. A mm. couple other notes. Golden State's won seven of eight. I'm looking at the first quarter total here. 53 points in game one, 51 in game two. First quarter, that line is 57 and a half, lean to the under. Okay, Golden State, minus 2,500 to win the series. You got to lay down 250 bucks to win one. You think Denver's coming back? They're winning four of the next five games, plus 1050. You're getting 105 to one. Put a dollar down, you get 105 back. There is a Bet River special too. Nuggets to make over 13 and a half three-pointers and win against the Warriors. Huh? Over 13 and a half three-pointers and to win against the Warriors. That line is plus 250. I won't be on that one today. So here's my play. Heavy lean toward the first quarter total. I will probably bet that live. I'm going to bet the Warriors at plus points. If they're down five, six points, all of a sudden you're going to get Warriors plus one, plus one and a half Maybe plus two. I don't know about plus two. One, one and a half. You're going to be able to get the Warriors at a plus number. And I sprinkled on something fun. I do think the Nuggets come out hot tonight. First to 15. Minus 115. You can actually bet and bet Rivers if you go to the game and you go to some other, you can look at other bets. First team to 15 points. You can do 10. You can do 15, 20, 25. Minus 115 right now. So a little sprinkle, just to have some fun at the beginning of the game. First team to 15 points. Denver Nuggets. That's my breakdown of game number three. I'll obviously recap it tomorrow. This is the front range four, the four biggest stories on the front range. Let's move on to the Rockies. Oof. Rockies had a little off day. It's okay. They lost nine to six to the Phillies. They are now 80 to one to win the NLS. So not much better odds there, but they had the fourth worst odds to win the World Series on opening day. Okay, now they're the eighth longest odds at just 100 to one to win the World Series. 100 to one, huh? Plus 1,000. Still not worth a bet. Are they for real? I don't know. I, I'm not ready to make that judgment. What I am going to say is it's been very pleasant to bet on them. They've been profitable to this point. It's been very um, pleasant to watch them win baseball games. And once again, winning at home, they won a couple on the road. 
They have a seven-game roadie starting tomorrow, though. This will be big to see where this team really is. I would say it's it'll be a success if they can go three and four and just not get wiped off the map. That would be, to me, a successful road trip. So tomorrow, so no game tonight. Tomorrow sends a teller to the mound. Two great starts for him. Taking on a lefty, Tariq Skubal. Good young lefty, big-time prospect. And you look at the guys that hit lefties well, C.J. Crone, Chris Bryant, Randall Gritchick, Diaz. They are smashing left-handed pitching early. So this could be good for game one. But again, this team has historically struggled to score in their first game off a road trip or of a road trip. So tread lightly. This was a bet. Remember that Texas game? I actually bet after the opening series against the Dodgers, I said, hey, let's go with the team total under since this is a trend that has worked for a long time. Well, I'm going to go back to it again, okay? But in all likelihood, I will be betting the Rockies team total under or backing the Tigers there. So just keep that in mind. There has been a history of this team offensively just not being able to hit on the road after playing a homestand here. Why? Again, less spin on the ball, more fastballs, less movement on the pitches. You go on the road and you're just, it's almost a different game that you're seeing from pitchers. You're seeing more depth in the slider, more depth in the curveball, more spin. So it's a big change there. And I've given you the splits before. Over the last three years, they've been very, very profitable at home. And if you back them on the road, you've lost a lot of money. Yesterday, Marquez gave up three bombs. Lucas Gilbreth stunk up the joint. Yuli Chassin loaded the bases, the bullpen. That implosion moved their bullpen ERA from 1.80 to 3.06. So they went from number one to 14. Number one bullpen in the ERA, which is not the greatest way to tell how effective a bullpen is, but it's a number. They went from the top bullpen to the number 14 bullpen in one game, actually in three innings. They gave up those five runs in three innings, and that's what bumped them down. That's just something that you're going to see early on in the year. Let's move on to number three on the front range four, four biggest sports stories on the front range. Abs losing to the Kraken yesterday. I told you, and I will continue to tell this, tell you this every time. Until the playoffs, I am not backing the Avs. They got guys sitting. Last night, they didn't look motivated. This is exactly what I told Danny Burke on his show on the Mothership yesterday. He goes, what are you thinking of the Avs? I said, I think they got a great shot to win the Stanley Cup, but I'm not touching them down the stretch. Motivation really isn't there. Bednar's sitting, guys. Kadri came back, though. He said he felt okay. That's big, Kadri being back. Hopefully, they'll get Landeskog back sooner and later. But... He said it took some time for him to get into a groove. The team never got into the groove. They were down 3-0. McCarr picked up his 27th goal. Colorado was sloppy. They weren't... It was just poor on the power play. They just... They got beaten early, and they didn't come back. So tomorrow, big game as far as hockey fans go because you get to see McKinnon versus Connor David. Avs at the Oilers coming up tomorrow. I will talk about that game at length. So number four on the front range four. And in just a few minutes, Connor Allen, four for four football, going to give me his, or give us his best bets coming up in the NFL draft. Let's look at linebackers here. Um, what is going to happen with, with Browning? Is he inside linebacker with Josie Jewell? Because if he is, then you're going to draft an edge rusher. If they move Browning to an edge rusher, 
then they probably need an inside linebacker. So what we've seen here as far as pass rushers and linebackers go, they got Randy Gregory and Alex Singleton. So we look at these two signings, and then I what I'll do next is look at the expiring contracts, put that into a list of what are the team needs, not just this year, but going forward, and then you come up with a player pool, and you think, who's the guy that they're going to take? We'll go look at the odds. So there's two expiring contracts here. Gregory's here for five, for five years. But Bradley Chubb and Malik Reed, expiring contracts. So you're going to need guys longer term there. And I will continue bringing up the same guy. Inside linebacker from Wyoming, Chad Muma. He keeps popping in mock drafts coming to the Denver Broncos. He was a finalist for the Butkus Award, the best linebacker in college football. He was great at the Senior Bowl. Everybody was just, wow, this guy should be moving up the draft board. At the Combine, he ran a 4-6-3-40. Pretty impressive for a linebacker. 6-40, 240, 6-4, I should say, at 240 pounds. And he could play a 3-4 or a 4-3. That's the cool part about that because he's a big dude. He's from uh, Lone Tree, which is where I'm broadcasting this right now. He went to Legend High. And um, I think he's an option for the Broncos at number 64. I do. Let's talk about some best bets. Actually, we're going to talk about the Broncos draft at number 64 because it is kind of a tough place to bet, right? I, I don't want to bet who the Broncos are taking at 64 until we're done with the first day. So betting the Broncos pick, maybe you don't get as great of odds, but betting that pick at number 64 will be something that I do on draft day, either pre-draft on day two or during the draft. We'll talk about draft betting strategies. We'll get some best bets and some thoughts on the Broncos draft. That's coming up next with Connor Allen for four for four football joins me. Love that site. Used to be a part of them. Big fan of his. And then before the end of the show, 85 Western Conference Finals. You can't watch the Nuggets during the regular season. How many of you were live in 1985 starting that game at 1230 in the morning because it was on tape delay on CBS? Fascinating stuff. I'm Holden Kushner. This is the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Baseball is here and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every Saturday throughout the season. Place a three-leg same-game parlay of at least $25, and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to make your perfect combo. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Must be 21. Must be located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Welcome back to the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Holden hanging out with Connor Allen from 4for4.com, one of my favorite places I've ever worked. There's a guy there, Josh Moore, who has just been an innovator in the fantasy space. And now they've gotten into the betting side for the last couple of years. And Connor runs the operation over there. Again, 4for4.com, huge fan. I'm over there. Connor. Thanks for hopping on the Denver City Cast here. What is going on, my friend? This is an exciting time for you because the draft, as we tape this, is uh, what a week away. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, this is the best time of year. Uh, betting on the NFL draft is easily my favorite sporting event of the season. And I put more on the NFL draft than probably half an NFL season. So I think that this is the best time to make money and is just a truly awesome, awesome event. Why is this the best time to make money? Talk to me. So the biggest reason is that this is an information market. So there's no game to be played. You can have the best side on a side or total and say, the Broncos are going to win. They have a great advantage. They have a big matchup advantage in the trenches, whatever, however you like to analyze the game. But at the end of the day, the game still has to be played. Here, if we know that Aiden Hutchinson or Trevon Walker is going number one, I mean, all we're, all we're factoring in is it's their decision at the end of the day. So unless they completely flip their decision – uh, there's no game to be played. It's just that. It's just getting information, finding sources, having good, reliable like mock drafts, trusting people who do the work and are calling GMs or in front offices. And I think that that information is more accessible than ever. And right now, I mean, sportsbooks can't keep up. It's really, really difficult for them to do so because they're offering so many different markets here. I mean, they took an absolute bath last year. They reported that it was actually their biggest losing event uh, in the past year or so. And now this year, they've actually gone pretty light on the markets. They haven't released as much, but I mean, there's still, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of markets out there for you to exploit. Let's go exploit some. Uh, I want to get into the theory a little bit more and how you prep for this, but I do want to talk about the Broncos. As of now, there's no pick. In the first round, they picked the last pick of the second round at number 64. And just from my standpoint, I think there's a lot of steam that is growing behind Chad Muma. We'll see if he's there. He's the inside linebacker out of Wyoming. He's a local. He's actually from the town that I live in right now, just south of Denver. Maybe that's a reason why there's so much buzz around him. And again, on Bet Rivers, the top four positions with the lowest odds, what is it? It's defense, 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 and then offensive line. So at least from the books right now, Connor, it, they're leaning heavily toward a defensive player in that first pick. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense there. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Chad Muma, local prospect, he's a good look. And I think a guy who, if he falls, would be a great fit for them, Quay Walker, a linebacker out of Georgia. I mean, he's gotten some first-round buzz, but again, you know, like off-ball linebackers aren't really valued as much in today's NFL. So I think that there's a chance he falls in the second round, would be a perfect fit uh, into this defense. And as you mentioned, you know, all the top favored, uh, you know, positions are on defense. And if you want to bet on that, I think that you talked about it earlier, minus 122, uh, you can bet defense versus offense just straight up. I think that that's probably the play there with the addition of Russell Wilson. Uh, I mean, I think their offense is pretty, pretty much intact. Uh, I think that they probably start to try and, you know, kind of build some depth on their defense to go first. I'll tell you what's funny about this too, because I just bet that yesterday at minus 114 and now it's up to minus 125. Now I definitely did not move the line with, <laughs> with, the, with the bet that I set. I feel like you're going to need at least a thousand bucks to at least catch anybody's eye, maybe 10 K at that point. But yeah, leaning defense at this point, there's a reason why there's more juice on it, right? So not a bad bet to just go in defense, hope that it pans out. Or is it something where you're looking at it saying, you know what? Defense. I think that's the way they're going. Yeah. I mean, it's again, it's tough when they're picking so far back. I think it's a lot easier to project the top 15, 20 picks. Right. Uh, you know, at pick 64, there's a lot of variance. I mean, if, if, a lot, all their top linebackers are gone and all their top defensive guys are gone. They're probably not locked into a position. They probably have a big board. But at the end of the day, their big board and their chart probably has a lot more defensive players uh, near the top because of need and based on where they're at, uh, you know, kind of building out their roster. So I still think that it's a solid look. Not, nothing that I would go crazy on, but I do like uh, for them to go defense with their first pick. 
All right. Very good. At least we're on the same, we're on the same wave, same wavelength with that one. I got a lot of futures on the Broncos too. I mean, this is, oh yeah, this is interesting. They're sitting there at 10 wins. Like I thought they'd posted 11, 11 and a half. And they posted it at 10, but we're talking draft here. So let's keep up with that. So talk to me theory. We are in the prep. First of all, you're going in what, just from your standpoint, how do you handicap these things? Is it reading up on other people? Is it reading up on the team itself? How much is it news? How much is it you? How much is it your feel? Talk to me. How do you start the process of capping these picks in the draft? Yeah, so just to get out of the way, I try and inject zero personal opinion into these picks because okay. at the end of the day, my opinion and evaluations of these prospects is next to irrelevant. I'm not in the front office. I'm not the one decision-making. The one thing that you should really consider is try and figure out what GMs like to do or what front offices like to do. That's the goal of this whole process, is to really try and figure that out. Uh, and from there, the way that you do that is kind of read the tea leaves, read the reports, look at their actions. So I think a great example of this is the Jets. The Jets in the offseason have tried to trade for Tyree Kill. They've tried to now recently trade for Debo Samuel. And now they're not offering the farm. They're mostly offering two second-round picks, but they've been pretty aggressive in trying to offer for those players. So, you know, what does that tell us? That tells us that they not only need a wide receiver, but they've aggressively pursued wide receivers. Now they're sitting at picks four and ten. They are very, very likely. B reporters are saying they're going to pick a wide receiver with one of those picks. Connor Hughes is very plugged in has been, you know, kind of banging that drum as well. So now that kind of leads me to, all right, they're going to pick a wide receiver at four and 10. Like that's kind of like a process of how you would figure out, you know, what team not only needs, but kind of what they're telling us with their own actions. So that's just one example. But again, you can do that with pretty much every team, I think, on the board. Okay. So is there, let's also talk about your threshold when it comes to juice. Okay. For me, I don't like going past 130. Once in a while, I'll hit a 135. Now, if you're going with Hutchinson, number one overall, you're, the price is around 180. What is, what is your threshold when it comes to juice, just so we could have a little parameters here? Yeah, so I think normally when betting, uh, you know, a normal side, total prop, whatever, you know, again, my threshold is minus 130. In the NFL draft, I'm willing to lay more juice because each pick matters so much more than whatever uh, amount of juice that you're like willing to lay. So for example here, uh, Sauce Gardner, you know, his over-under was at uh, seven and a half for a while on his over-under. Um, the difference between seven and a half and say six and a half, I would say is pretty, pretty substantial because, you know, you're getting that second Giants pick. He's been mocked to the Giants a lot. And so getting that second Giants pick at pick number seven, um, you know, I would say is worth more than the whatever 30 cents, 50 cents of juice between seven and a half and six and a half. Now, that's just one example. There are plenty of other ones that it matters or doesn't matter. But kind of parsing through that, um, I, I don't love laying anything more than minus 150, minus 160. But at the end of the day, if you're able to get a guy who you're very, very confident that he falls within under, to under seven and a half, I'd rather pay the extra juice to do that than get a six and a half at minus 115 and probably be right. But at the end of the day, you're much more sure at the seven and a half. So let's go look at this here um, because there's positions you can bet, the number of quarterbacks, wide receivers, number one overall pick. Do you have any bets there? Have you already laid one down? Uh, I do. So uh, I bet on Trevon Walker to go number one. Um, you know, early on in the process, I bet on Aquanu just because of, you know, Daniel Jeremiah mocked him there, number one overall, but I got that at 100 to one. I mean, that was obviously a long shot. That was like two months ago. Now at this point, from everything I'm hearing, Trent Baalke wants Walker. Doug Peterson wants Aquanu, And uh, the rest of the coaching staff wants Hutchinson. Um, and so at the end of the day, though, we've been hearing, you know, 
basically the media has been fed consistently for the last week. Oh, Trent Baalke likes the athletes, the guys with upside, you know, the, the Alden Smith type of guy. I think that personally, um, this kind of lines up with what I heard. Someone told me that, you know, it was probably going to be Walker. And now you're hearing the media kind of being fed this, oh, like he has upside, he's good. You know, he is not good to be Alden Smith. You know, they're kind of dangling that in front of the fans' faces to kind of make it more acceptable to pick him over a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, who is the more surefire prospect and in a lot of people's minds, the, the better one. But at the end of the day, really, I haven't seen anything that points to people being like, oh, Hutchinson is their guy. There's, it's all been outsider reports of, oh, Hutchinson is the guy because he's a good player, because I think he's a good player. There have not really been any reports of, oh, the Jaguars love Hutchinson. Uh, and at this point, I mean, they have the number one overall pick. Like, you know, what, what are they doing blowing smoke at this point? Like, they haven't even come out and said, like, yeah, we like him. It's just been pretty much nonstop walker buzz for the last week or two. So a plus 165, you wouldn't bother with Hutchinson then? No. I mean, you and I are both at, one, at minus 182. It's a lot, but yeah. Hutchinson, no. No, I mean, I think that we're probably going to see some more Walker steam and we'll get it close to even. I think that you can probably bet on Walker now and then if you get a little nervous, buy back on Hutchinson a little bit to make it make a profit. But so, yeah, I would say that um, Walker at plus 160 is probably the bet right now. And, uh, you know, closer to draft day, I think we'll probably see minus 110 on both sides. Ooh, very interesting. Let's talk about these positions. Do you get into the positions very much? Total quarterbacks drafted in the first round. We're looking at over two and a half is minus 278. So that's a total joke. <laughs> Running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, offensive linemen. You can go to the defensive side. Heck, I'm, I'm looking big 12 players drafted, ACC, SEC. So while they have minimized some of the bets you could still find a ton of bets here <laughs> you know what i'm saying so oh yeah they also have player to be taken in the first round you can move down there do you have any positions that you're looking at right now that you like positional bets yeah so i had some some really early ones again these juice moved like a, a bunch yeah. here uh, and it's really tough because it's rather than moving the line they're just moving the juice so uh you know quarterbacks uh is two and a half in some spots three and a half in other spots so uh, you know, I personally lean under that number. Uh, I think that we're looking at two pretty surefire guys in Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett, but I think that there's a pretty big domino effect with them. If Malik Willis goes two or Kenny Pickett goes six to the Panthers, um, you know, I think that kind of pushes guys like Matt Corral and Desmond Ritter up the board. Whereas if Kenny Pickett, you know, falls and doesn't go to the Panthers and Malik Willis goes 20 to the Steelers, which we've seen in some recent mock drafts, uh, I mean, I don't really see how both Ritter and Corral sneak into the back end of that first round when there's still, you know, two prospects on the board. So I think that getting the under on three quarterbacks is very much in play. Um, and at, at two and a half, I think that at plus money, it's viable. It's not something that I would love to sweat because I think that Desmond Ritter has been getting a lot of hype as a first round quarterback. But at the end of the day, I think at plus money, it, it's somewhat viable uh, for that, for this kind of positional market. Connor, so let's talk running backs because what do we have? Najee last year, they snuck him in before the end of the first round. I don't know if that happens this year and the books are saying they don't think it's going to happen under one minus 195. If one's taken plus 145, do you see a team with a need at running back and a first round grade on a running back to where we would want to hit the over? Yeah, so the recent buzz has been on Brees Hall to the Buffalo Bills uh, at pick number 25. Uh, you know, we've kind of seen the Bills, really their only need at this point is like a running back. Brees Hall is a well-rounded running back, can pass, can uh, catch the ball to the backfield well, can run the ball well. And at the same time, um, you know, the, the Bills don't really need a whole lot else. So 
I think that it's kind of bills or bust, and there's a better way to attack this market. So rather than betting on over one and a half running backs or over half a running back to be drafted in the first round, essentially one, you can bet on the bills to take a running back at plus 600, plus 700. So I think that that's a better derivative if you do think a running back goes there. But personally, uh, I think that we kind of saw what the Chiefs did there where they didn't really need anything at the time either. They drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with the last pick of the first round, and now they have depth issues everywhere. They could have spent the pick somewhere else. I mean, it probably would have been a different story if they'd picked Jonathan Taylor over him. But at the end of the day, I think it's kind of a cautionary tale for teams to be, you know, really feel good about their rosters and just pick a, a luxury position like the running back. Interesting. Very interesting here. That's the, the, the way to attack it with the Bills taking a running back in the first round instead of just over a half, because that really is the only team that you look at and say, okay, they would do that. I, do you think they look at the Chiefs, that the Bills look at the Chiefs and say, boy, Edwards Elair, complete disaster uh, on a first round pick, and that they're not going to do that? Is that how you approach this? Or is it more, I don't know, and I'm just going to take a shot on the Bills? Yeah, I think that's kind of more, it's kind of a combination, is that they could think like that. Uh, I don't know if they do. So, you know, that's, this is not a super strong play of mine, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I would much rather, I see them as kind of the only out for a running back. I mean, maybe Tampa Bay, like maybe, but I, again, they have other needs as well. They kind of need to surround Brady with offensive line help and, and other issues. So I really doubt that they pick a running back. So if we're looking at just bills or bust as the only first round team that could take a running back, then we might as well just play it exactly rather than just kind of hoping that another team takes a running back as well. So I think that's probably the way to go about it. Okay. Anything that you've done with the conferences? Uh, admittedly, not much conference stuff. Okay. Um, I think that there's some viability to, uh, I think it was Pac-12 over with uh, Kyler Gordon. I think cornerback uh, sneaks out into the first round. Um, but you're able to find that at plus money, I believe, in most spots. Uh, you know, every 125. I actually had my eye on that, Connor. I'm glad you brought it up. Kyler Gordon plus 125. You think he could sneak in, huh? Yeah. So I, I, the latest buzz is that uh, you know a lot of teams have first round grades on him, and multiple teams, when asked, don't think he lasts till the second round. So uh, you know that was enough for me at plus money to make it more than a 50-50 proposition, and and you know kind of bet on Gordon to make it in the first round. Is that how you, you handle that? You said a 50-50 proposition. Is that what you need to lay a future down in the draft? Talk to me how you do that, how you cap it. Yeah, so we're looking at, uh, I mean, you can convert money lines to implied probability. So, right, like an even money line, uh, you know, minus 100 or plus 100, however you want to look at it, is a 50% implied probability. Uh, so you're looking at uh, plus 125 would turn out to be, whatever, a 44% probability. Um, so, you know, that's kind of like a 6% difference in probability again that's not like a play that i love because i think you can find bigger edges you know per se in other areas but at the end of the day like i think that it could probably be the actual odds in our minds are probably bigger because if the entire nfl is saying oh we have a first round grade on him and we don't think he's going to be there in second and a lot of the teams in the back end of the first round all need cornerback help so kind of factoring in all those things um plus there's a you know probability advantage i think that it's a good bet I was just looking through a couple of your articles earlier this morning up on 444.com. Check it out. Connor wrote this, let's see here, April 12th, so about a week ago now. Uh, 2020 NFL Draft Top 10 Pick Odds Predictions and Bets. And actually some of these have moved uh, a little bit, but Top 10 Pick Notes and Bets. I'm on Gardner to be a Top 10. Malik Willis, who I know um, is a guy that I was pretty high on. I think I got him going number two. I hope the Lions... Uh, do go with him. Charles Cross. Like, are, are there any top 10 picks 
that you're high on? Because again, I'm looking at this and I'm saying minus 500, 300, 200. Yeah. Is there anybody you want to take a shot on there? Yeah. So, I mean, this, at this point, you know, there's way too much juice on a lot of those guys. You know, that's mm -hmm. not what I'm laying. But I think that there is still some value in betting on a guy like Jameson Williams to go top 10. Top 10. Uh, I took a pretty big position on this earlier. I mean, it's his draft stock has gone through the roof. Uh, and it kind of started a couple weeks ago when Peter Schrager went out and said, you know, he's multiple teams, number one wide receiver on their board. And he's obviously an electric player recovering from an ACL injury that he suffered in uh, the national championship game against uh, Georgia or suffered in the playoffs there. Now you're looking at a guy who is ahead of recovery and is apparently, you know, the number one wide receiver on uh, maybe the Jets, the Cardinals. Um, the Saints, uh, you know, all those teams who could potentially either trade up or sit in the top 10 uh, to be drafted. So if you're looking at, again, kind of going back to the implied probability here, if Jamison Williams is a num bunch of teams, number one wide receiver, and you know that there is a bunch of wide receiver needy teams in the top 10, such as the Falcons, the Jets, the Giants, even in some scenarios, and then the Panthers potentially could be a trade out scenario. that has been a ton of buzz about teams trading up in that situation. Um, and his odds right now, Jameson's odds are plus 150 or better, usually plus 150 to plus 200. So I think at that point, uh, again, like close to me, I think it's close to a 50-50 proposition in my mind. So at plus money, it's probably a good bet. Um, the only issue is, would be the injury. But again, he's, going, he's way ahead of recovery. You know, I mean, we're looking at now maybe missing three games of the regular season. That's kind of what I've heard lately. Hmm. All right, we're going to um, plug the site here in a second. What would be your best bet? to throw out here right now your best bet that's going on and then i want to talk about attacking this live but if you had one bet you say ah man i feel really good about this thing right now what would it be yeah i i have so many that the odds have moved but i'll give you one right now it's that fine. the odds are still uh intact right now that you can bet uh okay. we'll go um stingley under pick 10 and a half or 11 and a half depending on the the book that you find so right now, Sauce Gardner is getting a ton of buzz to go number three to the Texans, number four to the Jets, or number five to the Giants. That pushes a guy like Stingley up. He is recovering from a Liz Frank injury, but he didn't. He suffered that in August. I think people forget that he didn't suffer that like late at the end of the season. It's, it was in August. He kind of shut it down a little bit. Didn't have his best year, but as a raw talent, he is spectacular. And he ran really well at the pro day. Ran a four 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 at the pro day, thirty nine inch vertical. Uh, now you're looking at the back end of that that top ten here. The Seahawks are apparently really, really high on a guy like Stingley. And, you know, Daniel Jeremiah has gone as far as to say he is a top 10 lock and will not leave the top 10. Um, I take his word pretty words pretty heavily, and it kind of lines up. There are multiple outs there where if Sauce Gardner goes three to the Texans, I think that pushes Stingley up the Giants board to grab him at seven or maybe even as high as five. Uh, and then the Seahawks at nine are also a good, uh, good play as well. So I think that he has multiple outs in the top 10. Good value on that. Love it. Now, as far as my handle, the money that I'm putting into betting, in the NBA, it's probably about 90% live. In the NFL, I'd say a third of my money goes in there live. Uh, baseball, I mean, it's about 50-50 for me. But I think there's got to be live betting opportunities for the draft because I remember doing it the last couple of years. But for me, when you're live betting, you have to have a game plan, right? You have to have a game plan, and you're kind of feeling the flow of a game. Is that how you live bet the draft too? You got all these team needs. You're feeling the flow. Okay, this team took this guy. What kind of a game plan do you have going into the draft and live betting the draft? Yeah, so I think you need to play through all the scenarios kind of before the draft, as you mentioned, and come with a, come with a plan. So, you know, again, at the top of the draft, if Trevon Walker goes number one, 
uh, you know, the odds on Aiden Hutchinson to go number two are obviously going to skyrocket. Uh, so, you know, that's that's something that but you need to be ready for that. Do we think that Hutchinson goes too? I mean, there's been a ton. Kayvon Thibodeau got steamed from being like plus 700 yesterday to be the number two pick to being like even money now. He's like pretty much even money to be the number two pick. But at the same time, the number one pick odds didn't move. So it's very strange thing of maybe the Lions love a guy like Thibodeau. So, but then again, the domino effect of uh, something like the quarterbacks, you know, if Pickett goes number six, I think that we see Malik Willis probably come off the board in the next couple of picks. If he doesn't go six, I think bets are off. You know, these both these guys could drop a lot because we just don't really, it's tough to kind of fit them into a specific spot. So again, like you said, coming with the game plan, understanding where those players are going to go and then reacting to those, you know, kind of live lines as is. Same with the wide receivers, another great example. If three of them go in the top 10, I mean, you might could see seven, eight in the first round. Uh, and I think that that's very, very possible. All right, buddy. Plug it. Four for four.com. There's a fantasy side. There's a daily fantasy side. And you're running the betting side. Give me a little lowdown on the betting and how we can find out about it. Absolutely. Go over to four for four.com. Uh, we have an awesome promotion right now where you can get a free subscription for just $10 deposit on on one of our uh, sites. And then you can also find our podcast. We have weekly betting articles, daily betting articles, multiple mock drafts. And right now I've broken down every single positional market um, that's available. So you can go find that over at 44.com. Absolutely love it, buddy. Thank you so much for hopping on. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me on. This is great. All right. I actually get a minute to talk some uh, non-sports stuff. So when we come back on the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers, DIA, third busiest airport out there. NFL has a new virtual reality game coming out. And back in 1985, when the Nuggets were in the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers, it was on tape delay and played at 1230 in the morning. Denver City Cast continues in a moment. Bet Rivers is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com to sign up. Must be 21, must be located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 522 4700. Wrapping up the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Don't forget, leave me a five star review and then a nice little, uh, or five star rating with the stars, and then a nice little review. Say how great I am. I'd really appreciate that. It'd make me happy. So, how many of you were alive in 1985 and old enough to remember the Western Conference Finals where the Lakers beat the Nuggets four games to one? How many of you are old enough for that? Uh, guys on that team, Dan Issel, Elston Turner, Willie White, Fat Lever, Wayne Cooper. I wonder if that series is going to be mentioned in that uh, Showtime series on HBO. Well, Showtime used to be a cable channel. Maybe it still is. But you've got the story of the Lakers Showtime teams, which is kind of inaccurate, but kind of accurate. I wonder if anything in that series is going to be on there because they lost to Worthy and Magic and Kareem. Um, but those games were on tape delay. The NBA finals used to be on tape delay. I mean, Magic and Bird, that final was on tape delay, but they're showing, there's a graphic on Twitter and they're showing this, that the Lakers and the Nuggets back in the 85 Western Conference finals was going to be broadcast at 1130 Pacific time. So 1230 here. I, I really wonder if anybody that listens to this program 
A, was alive in 1985 and old enough to remember the Nuggets-Lakers series. And I really don't have a B. I just wonder if, if anybody was alive. And if you do, just hit me up on Twitter, at Holden Radio. Fascinating stuff. You know, you'd have to wait up till 1230. I would rather uh, do that than have the Nuggets situation here where nobody can watch their games in the market. Number two here before we wrap up the show. This is interesting. A new virtual reality game from the NFL. So video games are just changing. And, I, and look, I'm no video game expert. They call it LOL or, or CSGO, whatever the kids are calling it these days. But there's a VR game, virtual reality game coming up from the NFL. Let me read to you from a press release. Uh, it's a new experience from a gaming perspective. An officially licensed VR platform. So it's called NFL Pro Era, okay? And it's going to debut on PlayStation VR and MetaQuest, which I don't know what MetaQuest is because I'm too old. The game is licensed by the NFL PA. So you've got names and likenesses there. And what the game's going to do is give players a chance to see if they could complete a pass. Maybe it was a pass you saw on television. Maybe you said, oh, come on, Lamar Jackson. You got to make a better pass than that. Well, you can play quarterback in an NFL game now. You're able to make decisions. So let's say Russell Wilson misses Cortland Sutton by five yards uh, on a go route. He's ah, damn, Russell Wilson, how could you make that throw? Well, um, you can go in the VR and see if you can make the pass. And if you do, you're still only doing it in VR. But it's pretty cool. Uh, this is going to be really interesting. You can make the decisions. I might have to go out and uh, get into this thing sooner and later, get back into video games. Uh, last but not least, this has to do with our airport here, DIA, world's third busiest airport in terms of passenger traffic. Let's talk about DIA for a second because I've flown all over this country and I will say JFK and LaGuardia in New York are both debacles. I would say Midway in Chicago Atlanta and Hartsfield, LAX, total debacles. And we get frustrated here with Denver. I mean, the airport is really big. It's really, really busy. I would say as far as the major, major airports go, it's not in a great location. Okay, it's not in a great location. It's out in the middle of nowhere. I don't know where else you're going to put it, though. And second of all, it just takes forever to get anywhere. But at least it's clean and it still looks kind of new. You know, these other places, it's depressing. LAX is depressing. There's construction, there's zombies. I literally think there's zombies walking around there. It's just awful. In, in Dulles in Washington, D.C., they have one of those Jawa mobiles. You ever seen Star Wars, the original ones, where the Jawas are driving around and that big brown thing? That's what they transport you in, in, in Dulles. So as much as people want to complain, and then the blue horse, I mean, come on. Um, this is not the worst airport. And especially when you got 59 million passengers going through here. I think it, as much as we want to complain about DIA, it's not that bad. 75 million through Atlanta's Hartsfield, Dallas, Fort Worth, 62 million, 58.9 million passengers went through DIA last year. I'm not going to complain about it. I hate the drive out there, but I'm not going to complain about it. There's a lot worse airports than that. And that my friends is what I'm going to finish with on the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Thanks to Connor Allen for hopping on. Thanks to Stephen Young for hopping on. And follow me on Twitter at Holden Radio. I'll catch you tomorrow. Nuggets reaction, Avs preview, 
Rockies preview, get you some bets, and more NFL draft talk. Take care.